Well, that's awesome. <laughs> it's, it, the truth cannot stay in these four walls, and it can't stay just as a part of what God has done for us. It has to be something that everyone experiences. And so we have a commission, and I thank God for the church. Thank God for our young people here at Hosanna, and thank God for their stepping outside of our com their comfort zones and just ministering to our community in Jesus' name. Amen? Thank you. Well, we're going to, like like Pastor Dave said, I'm going to be going to Africa for, for I won't be here next week, but we're going to have a um, great service next week. And um, I'm going to be over there for 10 days. It's going to be a great time. Pastor um, Duncan Negwe is the president of the church out there. And we're going to be going to a couple of meetings and we're going to be preaching and, and, and teaching the, the leaders out there and just doing a great work. We um, believe that God has a, um, a, a revival that's really taking place around the world right now. And um, let me just say this, revival, and it's something that I've been telling the church, it's revival is not something that happens to us, it's something we walk into, we walk into. It's amazing that in a church, in order for revival to happen, is all we have to do is step into God's order and into God's will. And if we will do what God says is important for him, you'll suddenly find yourself in a place where, man, doesn't matter who is experiencing the move of God or not, you're experiencing it. And that means that, like, for example, bringing people to the Lord Jesus Christ, there's nothing more satisfying than leading someone to Jesus Christ. And uh, when you do that, there's this renewal that happens in your heart and in your mind and uh, in your spiritual walk with God that others that do not win souls or do not bring people to Jesus, cannot, cannot experience and know. And so we want to live in the fullness of everything that God has given us. And so we're encouraging the young people to continue doing that. I know that we have um, uh, some of our young people that are going to be going on missionary um, uh, journeys this year, and we're thankful to God for that. I encourage all of the young people, save your money. And whenever you guys hear that our young people, Messengers of Peace, are going off on a mission trip, Join it, you know, pay your way, be blessed, be a blessing to others. It'll open your life and your perspective to something totally different than what you're normally accustomed to. And we thank God for, for every opportunity we have to be able to make a difference. Amen? God bless the young people of Hosanna and everyone else too. Um, amen. So today what I'm going to do is I'm going to be, oh, by the way, let me just say this for the extraordinary, and it really is an extraordinary offering. We, I, I think the two offerings in one service, we've picked up, I don't know that we've ever picked up two offerings in one service in the 20 years that I've been here, maybe once before. It's extraordinary. But thank you for your generosity, and thank you for your kindness. Everything that you gave, plus what English, Spanish ministry is going to give, is all going to go to Africa, and it's all going to go to the, to the finishing of that well. And I was talking to Bishop Duncan this last week, and, and he was telling me about his project that he had there for the orphanage. We're building a complex in Africa, and it's, it's, it's an orphanage where they're going to be able to house uh, another 70 children. And the situation over there is just absolutely heartbreaking. And he was, um, Pastor Bishop Prado was telling me, Joe Prado was telling me that when they were over there, their hearts were really broken by the fact that they were there ministering and they saw a little girl with a like a one and a half year old kid on, a, on her back. She was maybe six or seven years old walking around. They asked her, what's, what's, why do you have your brother? Where are you going? And I guess her dad had died of AIDS and her mom was absent from the home and left or something like that. So she had the responsibility of caring for her little brother. And these situations are everywhere. I mean, they're, they're heartbreaking situations. So when we can contribute as all of you did, or those of you that did this morning, to, to building a, um, the, um, the well. They already drilled it. It's like 260 feet deep to hit water. And uh, to be able to contribute to something like that, to bless those children, the well is going to be used not just for the needs of the community, but also to sell water so that, so that, um, so that the orphanage that we have there has some money to sustain itself. Uh, it's going to be a tremendous blessing. So thank you so much for your generosity. We are very grateful. I told Bishop Duncan 
when we were talking about all this, we're having um, some Chinese food. And he sa I said, Bishop, I said, Hosanna's going to bless you. He said, thank you, Bishop. I said, Hosanna's going to bless you, Bishop. He's going to bless your church. And he was very, very grateful and a, a bit aggressive because there was two or three other bishops. And he says, what about you? <laughs> he, he's got a big project there that he's wanting to complete. And we're just grateful for the work that he is doing. Um, and, of course, he said that because we were all friends and he was saying it in jest. And everybody just kind of responded in an appropriate way. It's good to be a blessing. We live our lives all to ourselves, guys. Selfish lives, there's a limit to your gladness. You can only be so happy. It, it cannot go beyond the experience that you're experiencing in the moment. It's a fleeting pleasure. But when you get in the things of God and you start living not just for yourself, but living for others and doing things that are more important than just you and your, your stuff, man, life becomes like full. And so we're grateful for that. Two weeks ago, I preached to you on the subject of the balanced Christian life. And I talked about the two wings of the Christian life that we find in the book of Romans. Romans 1, 2, and 3 talks to us about knowledge of sin. That's one wing. And then Romans 6, um, excuse me, 4, 5, and 6 talk to us about the, the blessing of grace. And that we said in order to have a balanced Christian life, you must have a a complete or at least a fuller knowledge of what of what uh, sin is and you must have a complete knowledge of what grace is and if you have a good solid foundation of understanding the seriousness of sin and you have a good um, uh, understanding of the grace of God that covers you and washes you of your sin then on those two great truths in the Bible we'll be able to do great things for God you're you're going to be able to truly experience Christian freedom. Christian freedom is not found in uh, freedom to sin. That's bondage. Christian freedom is not found in, in, um, in, uh, in bondage to the law. And that's guilt and condemnation. Christian freedom is found in the balance between those two things. A knowledge that we are sinful and we have to always fight sin. And a knowledge of the grace of God that forgives us irregardless of our sin. And that's a fantastic, those are fantastic truths to know. Well today, uh, what I told you last week was that I was gonna, we we're going to go into a series, a mini-series of uh, the scriptures uh, on um, chapter 7 and chapter 8 of the scripture. We're going to talk about the balanced Christian life. And we're going to do that. Today, as I was studying chapter 7 and chapter 8 of the book of Romans, um, I, I realized that what we needed to do in order to really get our heads and our, our hearts around the messages that I'm going to be preaching to you is that we needed to go back to Romans chapter 6 and cover two very important truths that all of us need to understand in order, again, to have balance in our Christian lives. And this is something that Paul teaches us that's really super important for us to get. And that is that um, every one of us, as believers, we have a relationship to sin. That's not the truth, but every one of us, as believers, we have a relationship to sin. Somehow or another, we're dealing with the sin that is present in us. Amen? I think that's true for all of us. We're dealing with this uh, a sin that there is in us. And today, um, what I'm going to teach you is try to give you a little bit of the theology of, of, um, of the message two weeks ago and of this truth about sin, our relationship to sin. How do you see sin? How are you dealing with the sin in your life? Because just as the offset, uh, I'm going to say this, that every Christian struggles against sin. That should be the, one of the great truths of our lives we are fighting sin, and um, that should be one of the things that's absolutely true about every one of our lives. And so today what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about two things about sin. I'm going to talk about the, the power of sin over us, and I'm going to talk about the penalty of sin upon the unbeliever. 
And those two truths are hugely important for us to know. And they're two truths that Paul elaborates on in the book of Romans chapter 6. And then continues on in Romans chapter 7 verses 1 through 6. So what we're going to do today is we're going to go to Romans 6. And we're going to go through that chapter just a couple of verses. And I want you to get a couple of important truths. So again, what we're going to be talking about today is the power of sin. Everyone say the power of sin. And number two, we're going to talk about the penalty of sin. Say the penalty of sin. And what we're going to try to get to is a place where we all understand that we're living in freedom from the power and the penalty of sin. When we say as Christians, I'm free, what does that mean? Well, one of the very great truths of the Bible one of the things that we all need to understand as believers is this, that when it means that you're free, it means that you're free from the power and from the penalty of sin. You say, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Or like Jesus said, if the Son of Man shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. And the question then becomes, that's a great, that's a great inspirational phrase, but the question becomes then, what is that freedom from? There has to be some sort of oppression or some sort of slavery or some sort of, 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 of submission that we were under that we're now free from under Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to talk about today. So in order to understand our text, what I need you to do is uh, 7 and 8, I want you to go with me to Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 6, rather, and keep your Bibles open there. We're going to go through a couple of verses. But let me first start by defining freedom. What freedom means is this. Freedom is the power or the right to act and speak and think as you want to think and act and speak. I'm going to say it again because, guys, in a nation like our nation, the United States of America, freedom is a huge thing. Wars have been fought over freedom. Wars were fought so that this nation could, be, could establish certain human basic rights and freedoms that every one of us as Americans have learned to treasure. And if we have to, we'll go to war over these things, these principles. Because for us as Americans, not just as Christians, but as Americans, freedom is a hugely important thing for us. Well, if it's important for us as Americans, and it is, that as Christians, it ought to be even more important, not just to know that we're free, but to understand what that freedom means. And so just the basic definition of freedom means this, the power to or the right to act or to speak or to think as you want to think without hindrance or restraint. In other words, I'm, I'm free to do what I want to do. No one's going to get in my way of stopping me. I, I pretty much have the freedom to do what I want to do without any restraint. That's what, literally what freedom means. It means the absence of subjection. And there's a lot of people that say that they're free, and, and, um, and, uh, and they, they may be to some degree. But the government is an oppressive government, like in communism or in, in, in uh, autocratic states authoritarian states. There are freedoms, but there's also tremendous oppression on behalf of governments. There's the submission of the, of, the, um, of the citizen to the government by force or by law. And so the power, the freedom is the power to, to speak as you want to speak, the right to speak of speech that our Constitution affords us as citizens of the United States. It's one of the most valued, one of those valued rights that we have as Americans that we're beginning to lose because of all this debate that there is going on today that you can't say certain things and that you must now say certain things like use certain official pronouns that are being promoted in the world today. You must call a person if they want to be called Zer, you must call them Zer. Or if they want to be called Z, you must call them Z. And they've created a whole new um, uh, number of words in order to respect people that, um, that think that way. And so 
And if the Bible says, Paul says, listen, shall we continue in sin? Is there like no, no, is there just like a continuation of sin from our past life to our Christian life? Is there no change in our behavior, in our conduct, in the things that we did, in the people that we hung around with, in the people that we called our most intimate friends, in, in, the, in, the, in the things that we said, in the ways that we thought, is there no difference from there? Not even a hiccup between that and this? And Paul says, absolutely not. Because one of the things that it means to be a Christian is this, is that it means that you now can live a life free from the power of sin. And that means when I, every time I say the power of sin, I mean the power that sin had to make us do things. So when I talk about freedom from the power of sin, hey, listen, sin cannot make you sin. Now, that's, that's an important statement. The grace of God gives the Christian power to defeat the sin that is in us. So that, let's read the scripture one more time in Romans chapter 6. Read it with me. What shall we say then? If you guys can put up the scripture, that's awesome. Let's read it out loud, everyone. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No. Grace isn't, listen to this now. Grace is not a covering for sin. Grace is an avenue to get freedom from the power of sin. That's so important. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And of course, Paul answers, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, strongly here when he says, No, how shall we, God forbid, he says, How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So we don't live in sin. We aren't bound by sin. Sin no longer has any power over us. The reason is because now I'm in Jesus Christ. And so sin has no authority over me. Say that with me. Sin has no authority over me. Shall we continue in sin? Of course not. That's what verse 1 and 2 say. Jump to verse 6 with me. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. Now let's all read this text together out loud. And let's just believe it. Verse 6 says. Knowing this. That our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth. We should not serve sin. Now it's interesting what Paul is doing here because what, what Paul is doing here is he's, he's saying your relationship to sin was like if before sin was a living thing. In fact, it wasn't just a living thing. It was a living master. It told you what to do. It, it demanded that you do certain things. You were simply a sinner because sin was alive and it had authority. In fact, so much authority that you could not get away from the sin that it imposed upon you. And those are big but truthful statements. And then the way that Paul explains our freedom from sin is he says, hey... You remember that sin guy? He's dead now. And dead people cannot give commands. Dead people cannot boss us around. Dead people can't demand that we do one thing or that we do the other. It, it just cannot do it. The reason it can't do it is because it's dead. And so Paul is wanting to give you guys, give us all a visual. When you were, before you came to Jesus Christ... Look at yourself. Sin inside of you was like a strong man. He was a slave driver. And you were subject to him. Did you have the freedom to speak uh, any kind of word that gave life? You did not. 
Any thought that pleased God, you could not. Could you do anything that, 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 that brought gladness to the heart of God? No, because you were a slave and you were obeying in everything that you did. Because everything we did in our life prior to Christ was without faith, was outside of the faith of Jesus Christ. And because everything we did, whether good or bad, outside of the faith of Jesus Christ, it could not please God. In fact, there's a writer in the Bible that says that, that, um, says that everything that is not of faith is sin. That's a radical statement. Well, how does that happen? Because before we came to Jesus Christ, we were under the, the slavery. We were under the authority of the prince of darkness of this world. We were the slaves of sin. Everything of our lives was sinful because we were a slave to sin. And then we came to Jesus Christ and God killed the sinful man in us. And he freed us so that whatever good things now we do are pleasing to the Lord. Because what we do now in righteousness is done not for ourselves, but it's done for the glory of God. So let me, let me go to 6.6 six now. Let me explain a little bit about this text. Look at Romans 6.6. Six. We're going to read it one more time. Everyone with a loud voice. Ready? Here we go. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of death should be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So here's, here's the first thing we learn from this text. The sinful man... To whom I was a slave is dead. Knowing this, that the old man is crucified. That means he's dead. You know, people talk about, yeah, I was crucified. But you know, some, some of us come off the cross. Nobody comes off a crucified cross. You get on the cross, you're dead. You're pretty much as good as dead. You're not going to survive that ordeal. The sinful man... The slave driver, the authority in our lives that told us and dictated everything about our lives outside of the faith of Christ. It was all sin because none of it was done in faith for the glory of God. We did it for other reasons, but it was all sin. And the slave driver of sin was on the throne and giving his commands and we obeyed him. In other words... When Paul says, knowing that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be, everyone say, destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Here's what Paul is saying. Your submission to sin, your having to sin is a thing of the past. That's what he's saying. He's saying, your will has been set free. And there's a huge controversy about this in Christendom. It doesn't matter. Here's what the Bible is teaching. Your will has been set free. You can choose now to do acts of righteousness in faith of Christ that makes whatever acts of righteousness you do pleasing to the Lord. And what transforms the acts of righteousness in an unbeliever and the acts of righteousness in a believer is faith. These acts of righteousness in the unbeliever are just done for whatever reason. And we don't need to name them except to glorify God. These acts of righteousness that the person has been set free from the power of sin, he does acts of righteousness. And the reason that we as believers do it it's for the glory of God. So all of that that is covered by faith is pleasing to the Lord. And the only reason that we move from this place where what we do does not please God to what we do does please God, the only difference is Jesus Christ and the faith that we have placed on him. So I want to say it again. 
And I'm not going to get too excited in this message, and you'll, you'll hear me out. The reason is because I want you guys to get it. I want you to understand what the Bible is trying to say here. Before you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you were captive. Even if you did good here, it was still death. You were responsible. You loved your wife. You were faithful. You went to church. You did all kinds of good stuff. You treated people well. You gave charity. You did all kinds of good stuff. But the result of all of those good works is still death. And the reason is because you've got a master over you. His name is sin. And he takes everything that you do. And you'll say, I'll do all these great works. But I'm not going to do them for the glory of God. And that one act of doing all of the goodness that you did before Christ. Outside of faith in Jesus Christ. Makes it unacceptable to God. He will not receive our goodness prior to coming to God because it was done for every reason except the glory of God. The strong man is still ruling. I'm treating my wife well and the strong man is still controlling my actions. Until the day that I give my life to Jesus Christ and I acknowledge him as the Lord of my life, does the strong man die? Does the slave driver die? Until that day, everything, good and bad, is outside of my realm to my ability to transform it to something good. It cannot be good because it is done in this attitude. I will do it for every reason except for God. Then you suddenly see Jesus and you give your life to him and you serve him. And you know what happens? The old man, that guy that used to drive you over here, he gets crucified. And he dies. So here's why Paul says, keep the scripture up. Here's why Paul says this. That henceforth, Romans 6 said, just leave it up, thank you. That henceforth, we, read it with me. That henceforth, we should not serve sin. So there's this Christian over here. That's a huge difference, isn't it? That over here, even if we do good, it still can't be pleasing. Because it's done in an attitude of rebellion. And over here, on this side, when we do works of righteousness, and even when we sin, God is still not in the sin, but God is still pleased with our lives. Because we're living in faith, and we're fighting the sin to live life any which way. That's a motivation to say, I'm, I'm just going to fight this thing until, until I die. And it's going to be a lifelong battle, but I'm not ever going to give up. I'm never giving up. I'm going to fight on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, this year, next year, until the day they put me in the ground. I'm going to be a fighter. I'm never giving up. Someone say amen. Now, your will has been set free. Isn't that interesting? The freedom of the will. Let's talk about that just for a little while. So over here before I'm saved, I'm sinning. I'm doing good stuff. I'm doing bad stuff. I'm living a decent life or an indecent life or a little bit of both, which is what most people do. Or more decent than indecent or whatever, but I'm living my life here. And, but here's the problem. My will is captive of the devil. My will is captive of my sin. Because I will choose good and bad and everything else that I have. I have every option. But what I will not choose is Christ. I am bound. And the, the devil knows that as long as I do not choose Christ, my will and my actions and my speech and my thought, all of it is bound to sin. And what transforms it all is a decision that I make. For Jesus Christ. That decision for Christ frees my will so that I can choose him. 
so that I can choose righteousness, so that I can choose God and everything that is good. Okay, I gotta stop yelling because I want you to get it. I don't want you to get excited. You guys understand what I'm saying more or less? Before I was a Christian, my will was bound to sin. He was the slave master. When Jesus came into my life, God killed the slave master and freed my will. So that now as a believer, I can choose God. Sin doesn't tell me. Listen to this now. Sin doesn't tell me what to do. You say, do I sometimes allow sin in my life? Yeah, but that wasn't sin telling me what to do. It was my surrendering my will to it. Because you could have made another choice. And now in Jesus Christ with the power of the word and the power of the spirit, you could have made another choice. You were set up to make another choice. Someone say amen. amen. This whole matter is a matter of like going back to Genesis. And we have Adam and Eve post-sin and Adam and Eve after sin. And before sin, they're like, they got this inclination towards God. They know God. They love God. They're pleasing God. And then post-sin, after sin, they're like blindly hiding from God and, and wanting to make things right. And they're not right anymore. Everything has been broken now. Sin is dominant in their lives. And there is a sense in which in our redemption, Jesus resets us back to pre-edemic order. And for our reality, that does not mean sinlessness now. It will mean that. But it does not mean sinlessness now. What it means now is that you don't have to sin. You are no longer bound to sin. You don't have a slave master over you that tells you, you will do what I tell you. You have no one that's, that's governing over you that transforms everything you do, the good and the bad, into something ugly. You have been free from the power of sin. Your will is free in the presence of the Lord. You guys kind of understand what I'm saying? Everyone say, my will has been set free. Oh, Jesus, help us to get this. Say, my will has been set free. I can choose Jesus. I can choose to do right. I can choose to live for God. I can live a holy life. My will has been set free. Now, look at Romans 6, 11. As we move along here, we're going to go through Romans 6, just from verse to verse. Romans 6, 11. Read it with me in a loud voice. It's up in the screen if you want to see it there. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Our Lord. You say, well, what are you going to get? Here's what I want you to get from this text. Here's how God is saying, you have to see yourself. You know how I see myself as a believer in Jesus Christ? I reckon myself to be dead indeed, indeed, no doubt about it, unto sin. I reckon myself to be alive unto God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Putting that through our Lord Jesus Christ is really important because my whole life now has to do not living a sanctified, selfish life. It has to do living a life to do whatever pleases him because he's the liberator of my will and of my heart and of my person. <laughs> How do you see yourself, brother? How do you see yourself, young man, young lady? How do you see yourself? We see ourselves, I don't know, whatever the image, I'm not going to try to go through those things. Whatever the image there is in your mind of victorious, defeated, struggling, whatever there is in your mind, you've got to tell yourself certain fundamental biblical truths. I'm just defeated by sin. I'm conquered by sin. I can never overcome that. I'm, not, I'm just a bad person. I'm not a good Christian. Okay, you need to get rid of all that way of thinking. The devil will always get you to focus on the one couple of sins that you've done during the week or during the day and beat you down like if they were the worst 
worst thing in the world that ever happened. He won't remind you of the prayer, of the sacrifice, of the consecration. He won't remind you of the hundred times you said no to sin. He won't remind you of the time you said yes to dad and yes to mom and you obeyed the will of God. The devil is a liar, but he will bring up that one sin over and over again and beat us over the head over and over again. Hey, listen, church, the devil is a liar. Jesus Christ gave us life when we came into the kingdom of God. I am dead to sin. Come on, somebody needs to say it with me. I am dead to sin. Do you see yourself that way? Oh, no, I'm all messed up. The devil's got me. He's chasing me around this. and that's, Stop that meagerly way of looking at yourself. If you really have Jesus, you need to declare it right now. I am dead to sin. Let me use another example that may not work very well, but I'm going to try it anyway because it came to me. You know, I'm going to Africa here for the next couple of whatever, weeks, days, and, um, and I had to get some vaccines, right? I, I don't like vaccines. I do not take vaccines. I don't like medicine. I don't like taking medicine. And I suppose because I haven't been very sickly throughout my life, right? If I had to, I'm sure I'd do it. Um, but um, they said, yeah, you got you to gotta get eight vaccines in one day, brothers. I was like, I thought I was going to get sick, but I got a good composition. I didn't get too sick. But I got eight vaccines, and, and uh, you know what they do? They get a dead virus and put it in your body. And that's different from getting a live one and sticking it in your body. It's just a little different. It'll give you immunity to the sin, to the sin, to the, to the disease. When it comes into your everything, I hate sin. I'm fighting sin everywhere I can. I, <laughs> Yeah, there is no vaccine against sin. All right, just to make it clear, the tweet pastor said there's a vaccine to sin in Hosanna Church. All right, no. <laughs> there is no vaccine to sin. Well, there is the blood of Jesus. All right. All right, listen, listen, listen. I'm get back to my illustration. Quit messing me up. So, so, so you, they, they stick this dead virus in you and then the body recognizes the virus and begins to react, immediately begins to react. And then it creates these assassin cells. And the body begins then to create these cells that are only created when they detect a certain virus. Anybody here that knows medicine is going to know I'm saying the truth. And those cells attack the virus. They actually have these, these like little spikes and they'll come and they'll attack the cell and they'll destroy it, the virus cell or whatever. And then the body gets immunity against that virus so that the next time the virus hits you, the body already recognizes it's got memory cells. It'll recognize the virus and immediately activates the immune system to attack that virus. That's what immunity is all about, right? Well, when you got washed by the blood of Jesus, right, you got saved. And when God gave you salvation, he inoculated you. He gave you a, vi a virus. He gave you a, a vaccination. Thank you, Sister Salazar. He, uh, Withersby, rather. He gave you a vaccination so that you could, so that you could, when sin tries to mess with you, you could immediately recognize sin and then get up your defenses and start fighting sin again. Somebody give him praise right now. Anybody ever feel the Holy Ghost inside of them that said, you can't let that in your life. You got to fight that thing in your life. You got to get it out of your mind, out of your heart, out of anybody here ever had the Holy Ghost say, this is the right way. Go that way. That's the way of life. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Come on, somebody give them praise and glory. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I reckon myself to be dead indeed to sin. 
Don't act like a worldly person if you're saved. I'm just so bad. I just got to get right. You, 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 get your, you are right through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you will confess your sin, if you will come again and again to the cross, if you will declare the sin that is in me is dead, it has no authority, no power over me. I want to tell you that if you're free in Jesus, you're really free. Oh, somebody needs to give them praise right now. I just, I just believe that. Did that truth kind of get into your heart right now? That's good. Say, I'm indeed free from sin. Let's read it in the scriptures. There it is right there. Read it with me with confidence and faith. Likewise, reckon ye yourself. Likewise, think about yourselves this way. Likewise, don't let the devil put any other image in your mind. Likewise, keep this thought firmly established in your heart. What's the thought? Again, let's read it. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The devil can get you thinking in a defeated way. He'll defeat you. The Lord rebuked the devil. I see myself in the light of a baptized believer that's been washed by the blood of Jesus, that loves righteousness and holiness, and is doing everything I can to live the best that I can for God. Somebody say amen. That's how I see myself. Christ has made me alive. He's made me alive. Say, I'm alive. And I'm free. Everyone say, I'm really free. I'm not just talking about freedom. I'm really free. Say, really free. <laughs> Willem Faulkner said this. Is that the guy from Star Trek? Well, he's got to be some other really smart guy. Faulkner's not that smart, maybe. I don't know. God bless him, you know. But whoever William Faulkner is, and I didn't look it up, so I can't tell you who he is. He said this. He said, we must be free, not because we claim freedom, but because we practice it. I see so many Christians saying, I'm free. without putting it to practice. And what, what I'm saying today is this, that for all of the church of Hosanna, we all struggle with sin. And we're going to struggle all of our lives. But don't you give up. You keep on fighting. We're not just going to talk about Christian freedom. We're going to live Christian freedom. If any man be in Christ, he is a he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. So I, I just, let me just give you a couple of more texts. I'm just about done. I got three minutes. I set myself a timer because you guys know me. I'm long-winded. And um, I want to I wanna help you all. Romans 6.14 for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. So sin, say it with me, sin does not have dominion over me. Say I'm covered. You look at that text and somebody tells you what you're covered by. By what? You don't deserve it, but he gives it to you every time you ask for it because... Because you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, somebody say amen. You see, you see, this is the greatness of the Christian life. God just doesn't say sin doesn't have any dominion. He says, even your sin is covered by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been trying to live your life the best that you can. And you've had some failures, no question. Sometimes big failures. Let me just be clear about that. Sometimes major, major failures. But here's what God is saying. You're covered. 
You keep living the life of faith. You keep, you keep crying out to God. You keep exercising your faith. And grace has you covered. The undeserved love of God is still going to sustain you and support you and carry you all the way until the day that Jesus comes for his church. Peter Marshall said, we may think that freedom, not as a freedom, not as the right to do as we please, but as the opportunity to do what is right. And I think that's so true. We as believers are sustained by the grace of God. Everyone say, sin doesn't have power over me. It can't tell me what to do. I can choose sin, but if I choose sin, it's not because sin had authority over me. It's because I chose it. Say amen. And then with Romans 1, 2, and 3, we know that if you choose sin, you're going to begin to get out of balance and you lose one wing, brother. You're coming out of the sky. And so Romans chapter 6 Verses 17 and 18 simply says this. You just listen. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, ye become the servants of righteousness. Now everyone just say, thank God. So so all of this stuff that I've been talking about is absolutely true about the Christian life. Your will has been set free. You can choose God now. You can choose to live for God now. It's great news. And so the, the image that you have now about yourself is not of a defeated person, but of a victorious person. Because sin isn't your slave master anymore. Jesus is. It's great news. Because Jesus does not only break the power of sin over your life, but here's the second truth that I'm going to teach you. He also breaks the penalty. And you know what the penalty means? You don't get to go to hell. With all of our strengths and our weaknesses, we don't go to heaven because of that. We go to heaven because of the faith that God has given us in the Lord Jesus Christ and the grace that he has demonstrated in our lives. Jesus does not just free you from the slavery of sin. He frees you from the penalty of sin. Look at Romans 6 as you stand. Or maybe we can just read it up here. Romans chapter 6 verses 22 and 23. Let's stand all of us. And I'll read it to you. But now being made free from sin. And become servants to God. Ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus not only freed me from the slavery of sin, he freed me from the penalty of sin. You know what the penalty of sin is, friends? It's an eternity without God after death. Hmm. And I've said it so many times, and I don't know how to properly impress that in the hearts of people. It has to be the Holy Spirit. Eternity is a long time. And without the fountain of everything that is good in life, the smile of a child and the caressing of a wife or a husband in love. The goodness of God in the morning and the confidence that God gives us in rest at night and everything in between. The beauty of the world and nature, the wonder of our children. Being able to breathe without discomfort. Being able to live without whatever your blessing is. 
Hell is the absence of all that is good. And that's what Jesus wants to save you from because sin has set you on a track for that. And Jesus says, hey, if the Son will set you free, you're not just going to talk about freedom. You're not just going to say I'm free. Oh, dear brother, you're going to really be free. And Jesus wants to give you freedom from your sins. Anybody taking that offer? The 9th of April, we're going to have baptisms in the name of Jesus. And I know that there's already people here, brothers and sisters here, that have made up their mind. I think there's like six of us so far that have made up their minds that they're getting baptized on the 9th of April. And we are grateful for that. But there are still others that you're saying right now to yourself, what I really need is Jesus. And I need to move across from the unbeliever's side to the side of those that are blessed and are redeemed and are forgiven and are washed by Jesus Christ. I want my life to say, I believe. I want my life to say, I want to, before anything else, I want to please God. That's where I want to stand. I make the choice to stand with Jesus. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart. And then you ask for baptism. In baptism, that's the declaration you're making. I give my life for Jesus, to Jesus, and I will live for him. That's a great confession. Let's bow our heads right where you're at before we come to this altar. And if that's what you believe, you say, Jesus, that's my confession. I believe. Even if you're a believer already and you've already confessed Jesus, it does our soul well to say it again. Jesus, I believe. With all of my heart, I believe in you. And I surrender my heart to you again.